Christ's mother here. As we look at, at Moses' mother and, and a lot of other examples in the Bible, and, and even as I think of my mother and my wife as she mothers our children, I can imagine that their role may feel rather overwhelming sometimes, and probably, probably sometimes maybe a little insignificant. It feels like you just sit at home and maybe don't get a lot else done, but I believe... I believe motherhood is, is probably the highest calling that there is. As we look at, at Moses' life and what his mother obviously taught him the few years that she had with him, I think of the many things that my mother taught me, probably many times without realizing she was teaching me. So I was thinking about that. I, I found this, this little poem that I'd like to read. The title is, When You Thought I Wasn't Looking. And I'm not sure who the author is, but it says, it goes like this. When you thought I wasn't looking, I saw you hang my first painting on the refrigerator, and I wanted to paint another one. When you thought I wasn't looking, I saw you make my favorite cake for me, and I knew that little things are special things. When you thought I wasn't looking, I heard you say a prayer, and I believed there is a God that I could always talk to. When you thought I wasn't looking, I felt you kiss me goodnight, and I felt loved. When you thought I wasn't looking, I saw tears come from your eyes, and I learned that sometimes things hurt, but it's all right to cry. When you thought I wasn't looking, I saw that you cared, and I wanted to be everything that I could be. When you thought I wasn't looking, I looked, and I want to say thank you for all the things that I saw when you thought I wasn't looking. I think that pretty accurately displays a mother's work. Many times there's probably more there's probably more things that children learn from their mothers just by watching their mother than from actual what we might call teaching. So before we get into the passage here in Exodus, I'd like to talk a little bit to well, I guess everybody here, even even the mothers here because they all had mothers as well. I'd just like to ask us the question, what do our mothers deserve from us? Or what do we owe our mothers? In the Old Testament law, in Exodus 20, verse 12, which is the fifth commandment there, it says, Honor thy father and thy mother, that thy days may be long upon the land which the Lord thy God giveth thee. And that commandment is... is repeated almost word for word in Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 2. And it says there it's the first commandment with a promise. In Exodus 21 verse 15, it says, And he that smiteth his father or his mother shall surely be put to death. Proverbs 20 verse 20 says, Whoso curseth his father or his mother, his lamp shall be put out in obscure darkness. Now realize each of these verses here mentions father and mother, but since it's Mother's Day, we're going to focus more on the mother part of it. But I believe God was really intentional throughout the Bible, and in the Old Testament law, we see it a lot about honor and respect for our parents, for our mother. And I think it's something that 
that they deserve. If we think about all the things that, if you think about all the things that your mother has done for you, I know for myself as a child, I probably wasn't as thankful for those things as I should be. I think about it a lot more now than I did when I was growing up. But I believe, I believe this honor and this respect is something that must last your lifetime. Not only your mother's lifetime, but I think it must last your lifetime. I believe there's ways we can honor, continue to honor and respect our parents long after they may not be here anymore. I believe another thing that, and this may go more for the children, the younger children, a way that you can honor your parents, a way that you can honor your mother, is just simply following the verse in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 1, where it says, Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Proverbs 1, verse 8 says, My son, hear the instruction of thy father, and forsake not the law of thy mother. Jesus, I believe, was a, a perfect example of this. We know the story there in Luke chapter 2, toward the end of the chapter there, when Jesus went with his parents to Jerusalem. And when they left, they had gone three days on their way home, and they realized Jesus wasn't with them. They go back into the city, and they're searching for him. They're looking for him. And after, after quite a bit of time of searching, they finally found Jesus. And his mother probably scolded him a little bit. It says that she asked him, you know, didn't you realize that, that we're looking for you? Didn't you know it's going to be time to go home on this day? Like, why, you know, why were you, why were you poking around like this? I don't know what all she said, but we kind of get the idea that she may have scolded him a little bit. And he answered and said, you know, didn't you know I, had, I must be about my father's business? But then the next, the next phrase is what, in verse 51 there, is what I really think is a really good example to us from Jesus. It says, and he went down with them and came to Nazareth and was subject unto them. I believe if it was important for Jesus to be subject to, to obey his earthly parents, how much more is it important for, for us as humans, for you as, as children to be obedient to your parents, to be subject to your mother, you know, Jesus was a perfect child. He didn't do anything wrong. And I wonder sometimes how it would be to parent a child like that. And yet, and yet Jesus in his, in his perfectness was still subject to his earthly parents. And I believe this verse is here to, to teach us that lesson, to teach us that, that it's important to be obedient to our parents. They are set there by God. They are appointed by God to, to care for the children. Another, another area that I believe our mothers deserve from us is, is affection. Mothers have a lot of affection for their children, and I believe they like to feel that in return. And on Mother's Day, it's probably especially easy to show that affection. We give cards, we give gifts. I know our children were really excited this morning to give the little gifts that they had prepared for their mom. So much so that yesterday they almost spilled the beans a few times with what they were going to give. And I think that's really good. But I'd like to challenge us. I'd like to, to challenge us. Do we, do we live that out the rest of the year? This excitement for giving your mother a gift, for showing her affection. Do we, 
Do we live that out? Can she see that throughout the rest of the year? Another area that I believe our parents, our mothers especially, deserve from us is our care. And this goes more for probably when your mother is a bit older. There's quite a few verses in the Bible for about widowed mothers. First Timothy has, has quite a few verses there. First Timothy 5 verse 4, it says, But if any widow have children or a nephew, let them learn first to show piety at home and to requite their parents, for that is good and acceptable before God. And that word requite there I think just simply means repay. We think about all that our parents, our mothers have done for us. We have a lot to repay if it's even possible. But it says if, they, if there's a widow that has a need, it is her children's responsibility. It is the family's responsibility to care for her. And then in verse 8 in 1 Timothy 5, it says, But if any provide not for his own, and especially for those of his own house, he hath denied the faith and is worse than an infidel. And in verse 16 in 1 Timothy 5, it says, If any man or woman that believe have widows, let them relieve them, and let not the church be charged, that it may relieve them that are widows indeed. So just again, he just keeps emphasizing the importance of, of caring of caring for your mother, of caring for, I think it's especially referring to, to elderly mothers here. And once again, I believe we can look to Jesus for a perfect example of this. As Jesus hung there on the cross, and his mother was there nearby, I, I, can, I, can, I believe from the words Jesus spoke that his mother was probably weeping, as she saw her son, she knew he was sinless. She knew he didn't do anything wrong. And yet he was being treated in this way. Even with all that Jesus was going through, he didn't forget about his mother. He made sure she was taken care of. He appointed John to, he appointed John to look after her. He appointed John to watch out for her, to care for her, because he knew he was going to be, he was going to be gone and wasn't going to be able to do it. I believe our parents deserve our best. Even when they're older, they deserve our best. I've seen a lot of I've seen a lot of lonely older people. There's quite a few nursing homes in the area here. And I realize nursing homes have their place. They can be very helpful, can be a very positive thing for us. But I believe many times there's, those places are filled with older people. It seems their children just kind of put them there just so that somebody's taking care of them and they can go on with their, go on with their own thing. I've spent some time with the ambulance here in Whitehorse and we've gotten into nursing homes quite a few times. And there's a lot of lonely old people there. And as I thought of these verses in, in 1 Timothy, you know, I don't think that's what God... I don't think that's what God wants of us. I'm not saying it's wrong if your parents are in, a, in, a, in an old people's home in a retirement village. That's, that's, that's fine. It's a, it's a fine place to live. But I think we still have a responsibility to, to, uh, to visit, to, to show our support, to be there for them. 
Just because their physical needs are taken care of at a place like that doesn't say that they don't need their children to come and, and still support them and visit them. I'd just like to encourage us that as, as, as your parents age, as your mother ages, she still needs you. She still needs your care. Just a few more verses from Proverbs about honoring parents. Proverbs 10 verse 1 says, A wise son maketh a glad father, but a foolish son is the heaviness of his mother. Proverbs 17 verse 25 says, A foolish man is a grief to his father and bitterness to her that bear him. And then a few verses in Proverbs 23. just want to turn there. Proverbs 23, verse 22 through 26. It says, Hearken unto thy father that begat thee, and despise not thy mother when she is old. Buy the truth, and sell it not. Also wisdom, and instruction, and understanding. The father of the righteous shall greatly rejoice, and he that begetteth a wise child shall have joy of him. Thy father and thy mother shall be glad, and she that bear thee shall rejoice. My son, give me thine heart. And let thine eyes observe my ways. So again, you may have given your mother flowers or a gift or something nice today, or maybe you plan to later on today. And I think that's good. I think that's important. But I think more importantly, we need to just continue to honor, to obey, to respect, to care for our mother. She has done so much for you. She has done so much for not only you, but if you have siblings, each of your siblings. And I think the most, the least we can do, the most we can do is just simply to love and care for them in return. I'm going to look now at, at the passage here in Exodus chapter 2 and maybe focus a little more on, on the mothers now. Although as I was as I was studying this, preparing this, it seemed almost more like a parenting lesson than, than just for mothers. And I found, I, found myself, I found myself feeling rather inadequate maybe to share this. Uh, we're in the midst of raising a family and we don't always get it right. But I, I, I learned a lot of things from Moses' mother here. Her name is not mentioned in this, in this passage here in Exodus 2, but it gives us her name in Exodus chapter 6 and verse 20. There's a list of genealogies there. It tells us in Exodus 6 verse 20 that, And Amram took him, Jochebed, his father's sister to wife, and she bare him Aaron and Moses. And the years of the life of Amram was an hundred and thirty and seven years. So there we have... Her name, Jochebed, and it says there was, there was two brothers. It was Aaron and Moses. And then if we go to Numbers chapter 26. Numbers chapter 26 and verse 59. It tells us, And the name of Amram's wife was Jochebed, the daughter of Levi, whom her mother bare to Levi in Egypt. And she bare unto Amram Aaron and Moses and Miriam their sister. So Moses had two older siblings. I believe Aaron was probably about three years older than Moses, and Miriam was about ten years older than Moses, if I have the math right here. 
I found it interesting that the name Jochebed simply means honor and glory of God. And I believe as we look at her life, the way she, this short story that we have of her, I believe it brings out that she certainly did honor God with her life. She's a good example of faith in God and learning to trust God with her children. It may not always be easy, but I think it's important for us as parents, maybe mothers, especially this morning, to trust God with your children. We want to look at three important aspects, three aspects of trusting God with our children. The first one is to trust the Lord yourself. The second one is to trust your children to the Lord. And the third one is to raise your children in the Lord. So first of all, to trust the Lord yourself. In Hebrews 11, verse 23, it tells us that by faith Moses, when he was born, was hid three months of his parents because they saw he was a proper child and they were not afraid of the king's commandment. I think that verse tells us a lot about not only his mother, but also his father. But it tells us that they were not afraid of the king's commandment. And I think that statement tells us that they trusted God. I believe before you can trust God with your children, it is important to have that personal faith in God. As we, as we look at the story of Moses, Moses was born during a very difficult time for the children of Israel. They had been in, in Egypt for several hundred years and they were living now during a time when the, the Pharaoh, the king that was ruling the land, no longer remembered Joseph. So things changed. They, were, they had now become slaves. They were now working as, as slaves for the king. And yet there was, there was a lot of them. There was, there was a huge number of these, these children of Israel that were living in Egypt. And the king started getting scared that these people were going to outnumber his people. So he ordered, the, he ordered the midwives as they, as they went and, and were, were delivering the, the babies that if it's a son, if it's a baby boy, they, they would need to kill him. He, he decided that, there was a, that there, they, needed to put a, they needed to slow down the, the growth of these people. As we look at Exodus chapter 1, I just want to read verse 15 and 16. It says, And the king of Egypt spake to the Hebrew midwives, of which the name of the one was Shephira and the name of the other Pua. And he said, When you do the office of the midwife to the Hebrew women and see them upon the stools, if it be a son, then ye shall kill him. But if it be a daughter, then he shall live. Verse 17 says, But the midwives feared God and did not as the king of Egypt commanded them, but saved the men children alive. So they, they feared God. They didn't obey the king either. And I assume the king, this probably made the king quite angry because he goes on and makes another decree, makes another law. He said, okay, if, if the midwives are going to refuse to do this, then he puts the responsibility on the parents. He just, in verse 22, And Pharaoh charged all his people, saying, Every son that is born ye shall cast into the river, and every daughter ye shall save alive. So suddenly this decree goes out that if there's a baby boy born, he gets thrown into the river. So it's in, it's in, this, in this setting that 
that Moses is born. It's in this setting that tells us in verse 2 of chapter 2 that the woman conceived and bare a son. And I can only, I can only imagine, try to imagine, probably the, would you call it the anxiety or the, the, the grief that Moses' parents must have felt as they didn't know what this child was going to be. Was it going to be a son? Was it going to be a daughter? Probably hoping for a daughter. It says, and she bare a son. And when she saw him that he was a goodly child, she hid him three months. She saw that baby, she said, there's no way I can, there's no way I can destroy this child that God has given. So she hid him. Once again, I believe, I believe a, a good example of just a faith in God. She knew what she was doing was against the king's law, and yet I believe she trusted God that God would that God would provide. I don't know if God had come to her and told her that her child has a special purpose in his plan. But I believe I believe every mother believes that of her child. I just want to read a few verses from Psalms. Psalm 139 Psalm 139, beginning in verse 13. It says, For thou hast possessed my reins, thou hast covered me in my mother's womb. I will praise thee, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are thy works, and that my soul knoweth right well. My substance was not hid from thee, when I was made in secret and curiously wrought in the lowest parts of the earth. Thine eyes did see my substance, yet being unperfect, and in thy book all my members were written, when, as, when in continuance, which in continuance were fashioned, when as yet there was none of them. I believe what David is saying here is that even as you were forming me, even before he was formed, God had that plan. God knew what purpose he wanted David to fulfill. I believe God knew that about Moses, and I believe God knows that about each child that is born each child that each child that is conceived each child that he is forming in the womb god knows and has a plan for them he said david says there that i was fearfully and wonderfully made and to think of that verse when it says that in verse 2 here in Exodus 2, that she bare a son, and when she saw him, that he was a goodly child. I believe he was a beautiful baby. God has a special purpose. God had a special purpose for Moses. God has a special purpose for every child. Every child is fearfully and wonderfully made. Moses' parents had faith. Jochebed chose to obey God rather than man. She realized that, I believe she understood in some way that this child had a purpose. The next thing I want to look at here is trust your children to the Lord. As we look at verse 3 and 4 here in Exodus 2, it says, And when she could no longer hide him, she took for him 
an ark of bulrushes, and daubed it with slime and with pitch, and put the child therein, and she laid it in the flags by the river's brink. And his sister stood afar off to wit what would be done to him. I've, I've read this story a lot of times. I've heard it from Bible story books when I was growing up. But as I was, as I was reading this again this week, you know, we can see the whole story. We know what happened. She put him there. The king's daughter found him, and she took him back home and raised him, and everything we could say turned out good. But when Jochebed, when Moses' mother could no longer hide him, this three-month-old baby, we have a six-week-old daughter in our home, and she'd be quite hard to hide. She gets a little loud sometimes. And as they get older, that doesn't really change. It doesn't really change as they get older. It says here she could no longer hide him at, at three months. So she, she, took, she took these bulrushes from, the, from along the river there, and she made this little boat, this little basket that would, that would float. So she made it, she put, she put pitch on it, she, she made it watertight, and then she put her child in it. Can you, imagine, can you imagine doing this to your three-month-old? Can you imagine doing this to your little baby? She didn't know what the end of the story would be. She had no idea what was going to happen. For all she knew, a soldier or somebody would find him and, and just you know, dump him into the river. But once again, she was trusting God and she was trusting her child to God. find it interesting that, that Miriam, Moses' sister, stood close by to watch. I don't know if, I don't know if her mother told her to, to stay there and watch, if it looked more innocent for a child to be watching, or if she just decided on her own she's going to sneak back out there and, and watch her little brother. And it doesn't tell us what Jochebed did when she left, but I can imagine she probably went home and she probably prayed. I believe she had a trust in God that God would work this out. I also had to think of, of Hannah, another example of a mother in the Bible that trusted her child to the Lord. When, when she prayed for a son, she, even before her son was born, she vowed, she said, I will give him to the Lord for all the days of his life. And I believe that's, I believe that's what Jochebed was doing here as well. I believe part of trusting God with your children is simply giving them to the Lord. I think it's important that we as parents and, and mothers especially understand that they belong to Him. We need to give them to God in faith. And it's something that, for Jochebed, it didn't just happen one time. And for most children, it, it, it's probably something that needs to happen again and again. Just continue to allow God to have our children. We look at verse, verse 5 and 6. We can see God's hand working here, God's sovereign care, the way God cared for this little baby floating on the river. It says, And the daughter of Pharaoh came down to wash herself at the river, and her maidens walked along by the river's side. And when she saw the ark among the flags, she sent her maid to fetch it. 
And when she opened it, she saw the child, and behold, the babe wept. And she had compassion on him and said, This is one of the Hebrews' children. I don't know if this Pharaoh's daughter was a mother herself at this point or not, but I believe there's a, I believe there's a God-given, what do we call it, instinct or... Or a God, there's a God-given something in mothers that God has given them, something in, in women, I believe, with this compassion. And we can see it here in, in Pharaoh's own daughter. She probably knew her father's decree to kill the baby Hebrew boys. And yet when she actually saw one of these babies, she realized this is a child. It says she had compassion on him. I believe it's her, her God-given, her motherly instincts coming through here, and yet it's God's, it's God's sovereign hand working in, in this situation. So she sees it's a Hebrew child. She has compassion on him. And then we have Moses' sister. We have Miriam coming. I, I imagine her probably kind of off in the, in the shrubs or something there along the river. She comes running up, and she says... Shall I go get a nurse? Shall I go find someone to care for this child? She says, shall I find a Hebrew woman? Which, the Hebrews being slaves, I believe, you know, that's, that's what was expected. It was their duty to, to care for, to help, to help these, these Egyptians out with their raising their children, anything that they wanted them to do. And Hebrews, sorry, Pharaoh's daughter just simply said, Go. And Miriam went and called the child's mother. And I don't, there again, I don't know if this was all planned out between Miriam and her mother before, or if Miriam was just, if God was prompting her of these things. But either way, we can see God's hand. We can see God's hand working. The third area I want to look at this morning is to raise your children in the Lord. Proverbs chapter 22, verse 6 says, Train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. Verse 9 in Exodus chapter 2, it says, And Pharaoh's daughter said unto her, talking to Moses' mother now, Take this child away, nurse it for me, and I will give thee wages. And the woman took the child and nursed it. I don't know how many years Jochebed had with her son Moses. Some, some uh, historians or Bible students would, would suggest probably at least five, maybe up to ten or twelve. But either way, it, it, it wasn't very long. And I believe she understood, I believe she understood the urgency of, of teaching her child. God allowed her to have her child back for a, a portion of time. I don't know if, if Pharaoh's daughter told her right, right then and there, you know, once he's seven or eight, I want him back. But she knew that she had a short amount of time to teach him, to raise him. Do we understand that it's, we also have a short amount of time with our children. 
We don't expect to have to give them to somebody else once they turn seven or eight. And yet I believe the time probably comes rather quickly when the children do move on and we no longer have that direct parenting responsibility over them. What are we doing with our time now? What are you as mothers doing with the time that you have with your children? I believe, first of all, is teach them God's word. I really appreciated Mel's message last week on, on the Bible and the lessons about God's word. In Deuteronomy, Deuteronomy chapter 11, verse 18, 18 through 20, it says, Then shall ye lay up these words in your heart and in your soul, and bind them for a sign upon your hand, that they may be as frontlets between your eyes. And ye shall teach them to your children, speaking of them when thou sittest in thine house, and when thou walkest in the way, when thou liest down, and when thou risest up. And thou shalt write them upon the doorposts of thine house, and upon thy gates. Once again, God was really intentional in, in the Old Testament law about teaching the children, passing on their faith. And I don't want to let the father's responsibility out in this at all. I believe it's the father's responsibility to, to lead in family worship, to be the spiritual leader in the home. But I believe the mother also has a lot, of, a lot of influence here. Simply telling them Bible stories, finding those little, little times when you can teach them about, about sin, about forgiveness. I believe it's important to teach or to show them God's love. Another important, another important thing in teaching children, I believe, is to bring them to church. And I, one, of the, one of the reasons I love our church here is just the children. There's so many children. You watch them go up to Sunday school class Sunday mornings. It's a blessing. There's, there's many churches throughout the nation that have mostly older people, no children, no youth. I think if we want to, if we want to raise our children in the Lord. If we want our children to grow up trusting the Lord, it's important to bring them to church. And then lastly, I think it's important to pray with them and to pray for them. Once again in Matthew chapter 19 verse 13, we have an example from Jesus. He sa it says there that then were there brought unto him little children that he should put his hands on them and pray. As I mentioned before, we cannot parent our children forever. But I believe we can lay a strong foundation in the years that we, that we have with them. And I believe as, 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 our, as children hear their mothers pray, as children hear their parents pray, it instills in them, as it said in that poem that I read at the beginning, it instills in them that God is real. And that God, God is somebody they can trust. I had to think of the song, uh, Thank You, Mama, for Praying for Me. You know, if you had not prayed, where would I be? And I, I, I think that's very true. I believe a mother's prayers do a lot more than we realize for her children. In closing, I'd just like to read 
I'd like to read another poem for the mothers. It's called A Mother's Love. It's written by Helen Rice. It says, A mother's love is something that no one can explain. It is made of deep devotion and of sacrifice and pain. It is endless and unselfish and enduring come what may, for nothing can destroy it or take that love away. It is patient and forgiving when all others are forsaking, and it never fails or falters, even though the heart is breaking. It believes beyond believing when the world around condemns, and it glows with all the beauty of the rarest, brightest gems. It is far beyond defining, it defies all explanation, and it still remains a secret like the mystery of creation. And many splendor, splendid miracles man cannot understand, and another wondrous evidence of God's tender, guiding hand. So I'd just like to bless each of the mothers here. You have a very important role in your families, in the church, in the communities, something that may be underappreciated sometimes or, or not always seen, but I believe it's a very, very important calling from God. Shall we kneel for prayer? Our Father in heaven, we bow before you this morning with grateful hearts. We're thankful this morning for the godly mothers in our midst. I'm thankful this morning for my godly mother. I thank you for the way you design family and for children to be raised. God, I pray you would help us to be faithful in raising children for you. Pray you would help us to trust in you, to trust our children to you, so they may learn to trust you as well.